0: This is Engage, a series for women in agribusiness from the Red
1: River Farm Network. The series highlights leadership and career successes. This podcast brought to you by Ag Country Farm Credit Services and Corteva Agrisciences. Now, Cara Hart
0: Elaine Fraze is a farmer and personal coach from Manitoba, Canada. Elaine, today we're talking about difficult conversations. Not only do you farm, but you help farm families navigate transitions. What are some of the biggest lessons you've learned having difficult conversations with the
1: farming community? Well, I've coined a term, Kara, called Discuss the Undiscussable B-U-L-L. And I use a Beanie Baby talking stick, which is an actual little bull with long horns. Because everyone knows there's a bull in the middle of your farm kitchen and you're not willing to talk about it. So my take on having um, hard conversations or courageous conversations, as I like to call them, is that you want to address the issue in the room and you want to attack the issue, not the person. And so in agriculture, particularly in transition with the families, the lessons that I've learned is that the families that are willing to do the work, who have the kind of mindset that, yes, we got up today, we can learn from this, You don't have to judge each other, we can uh, put on the table what the issues are, and then we can start creating solutions along those issues. Those families are going to be 21% more profitable. According to the research from Virginia Tech from Dr. David Cole's graduate students way back in in the late 90s, You know, surveying 400 farms across six states, they found that people that could talk about issues in business regularly and create solutions were going to be way more profitable. So, the biggest lessons that I've learned about working with farmers is that communication continues to be a huge issue and a huge problem and a huge challenge because when farm families reach out to me, I ask them, What's your main desire for coaching? When I say communication, communication, communication. Who do you
0: work with in your
1: career? People tend to get stuck. So the biggest issues affecting agriculture, I think, in my country and also across the U.S. Midwest would be procrastination and conflict avoidance. And I see conflict uh, as a business risk management strategy. So they'll come to me for things like we want to start working on our transition plan of the labor, the management, and the ownership. But I just got off the phone coaching a person who has severe mental health challenges with her, um, with a spouse and with and with a farming partner. And so um, it, it can be a myriad of, of different kinds of things. My training as a coach is from the Hudson Institute, and we use a map called the Cycle of Renewal. So if you're in the doldrums or if you're stuck or if you're not getting things operationally on your farm or if you're not getting things strategically in terms of the transition, then my question is, what are you going to hang on to? What do you need to let go of and what do you need to take on? And quite often, families need to take on a facilitator or somebody who can help them navigate figuring out what are the issues here that we're not talking about and then what are the solutions we'd like to create around them. So the nature of my work is taking each family as their own unique dynamic and then I ask them to fill out a personal profile sheet and a challenge sheet of about 32 questions. And if listeners would like to see those things, they can just go to my website at farmfamilycoach.com and download my 19-piece Farm Family Toolkit. Because communication is not, it's what I would call a polarity. It's something that never goes away. It's a problem or a skill that we always need to keep managing until the day we die, basically. So um, it's just like work and play. And I know that you've interviewed other people in the past that talked about work-life balance and that's a whole polarity in agriculture with the stress we're having this spring of trying to get a crop in when it's really cold and the soil's not warming up and people are having rain and then we have the stress of what's going on in the chaos of world markets and things everybody just needs to get back to the basics of of finding out what's going on for the other people on their team.
0: How can women effectively initiate tough conversations on the farm or in the workplace?
1: They would be a driver if they're the initiator. So when we're doing transition planning, I always ask the person who reaches out to me first, are you willing to do the work and are you willing to be the driver of this process to have these tough conversations so that we can keep the decision-making moving forward? And how they can keep the conversations productive is to be very careful about their language and about their intent and about being clear so i I have my three c's one of them is clarity of expectations i expect you to come to this family business meeting because it's important for us to get certainty which is my second c around the timelines for the decisions we need to make for this farm and get some agreements in place and thirdly my third c would be commitment i want you to show up at this meeting And I want you to be committed to focusing on the problems, creating solutions, and executing the action that we need to put into place. So families, of course, get derailed with all the seasons of different things happening on the farm. So somebody has to be committed to the process of meeting on a regular basis, either with an outside advisor like me as a coach or their accountant or their farm management specialist or whoever is advising their team and doing it on a regular basis so that they keep focusing and executing an action plan. And then the tough place is about not reading people's minds, because I have no idea, Carol, what you're thinking right now unless you ask me another powerful question. And so we can't make assumptions on our farms about what other people are thinking, what they're feeling, what they're needing, or what they're wanting. So I encourage them to use language like I think it's time that we sat down and discussed this in a a neutral place um, as adults. And if it's not going to go well with a lot of deep emotion, then I think it would be a good idea to hire an outside facilitator. And I want us to put some time frames around this because I'm not going to allow procrastination to keep killing good decisions on this farm. So I think I feel I need, I want is just one language structure framework that would be helpful in getting some of those conversations rolling.
0: It sounds like some of this can apply in the workplace too.
1: Yeah no every everything I'm sharing with you comes from a lot of my training in conflict resolution from mediation skills in Winnipeg and the other dynamic of course with the family is you have uh, unwritten rules and you have emotion and you have familiarity right because you've grown up in this family of origin, and you have certain default patterns that you kind of flip back to that maybe aren't the best thing. For instance, my father-in-law used to walk away from me when he was talking to me. I said, don't ever do that again. Turn around. I need to see your eyeballs when you talk to me. Don't talk to me while you're walking away. And so we have habits in families that aren't helpful for good communication or else finding out what the other person wants. And I have a conflict dynamic profile tool that's from St. Eckert College in St. Petersburg, Florida, based on the work of Dr. Craig Grundy, who wrote the book Becoming a Conflict-Competent Leader. And the conflict dynamic profile helps my farm families understand what their good behavior is towards creating solutions or sharing emotions or reaching out or delaying their response or taking the other person's perspective. Versus their bad behaviors, which would be things like being abrasive and yelling and winning at all costs and um, things that you know that aren't helpful. And then also figuring out what their triggers are. Because you know in a workplace, people can irritate you. And if you're irritated enough, you might go and find a job another way or you might just hide in your cubicle. But in a farm, you got work to do. And you also have to treat the livestock well and keep the machinery in good shape. And so you have to manage your emotions. And unfortunately, a lot of default patterns on farms is to clam up or walk away and not deal with the issue and just hope that magically the conflict will disappear, which of course it's not going to.
0: How can one effectively ask or give feedback on the workplace
1: or on the farm? Well, one of them is asking for permission. So first thing is someone comes in and you look look quite escalated uh, escalated or irritated and you say, um... It, would you like me to listen or do you want me to help create solutions? And then, so you, you're actually um, putting yourself out there and saying, do you want me just to listen or do you want me to help create solutions or do you even want to talk about this time now? Now, and if you don't want to talk about this right now, do you want to talk, deal with this after supper? And you put some parameters or some boundaries around, is now the time to deal with this or do you want to deal with it later? Um, another one is just recognizing the state of the other person. Wow, you're really upset, and you kind of you you remove yourself from the emotion of what's going on, and you make an observation, and then you offer a position. Um, would you like to talk about this now? No. Okay, when? And then the other person can can give you some parameters. Um, uh, quite often, I think care. What happens is people go to anger which really is a secondary emotion. And and what you need to be looking for is, are you hurt? Are you afraid? Are you frustrated? Because those are the underlying causes of anger in a lot of situations. And so just knowing that, you know, the person feels heard, you can also paraphrase. Like if they tell you something, you can say, do you mean, or is this what's happening for you? And, and, and just, sort of put in in your own words what you think the other person is thinking, feeling, needing, and wanting. And and sometimes you can just mirror it and say, wow, this must be really hard for you. And you empathize. Um, How can I help? What would you like me to do about this? And then wait for the other person to respond.
0: In your book, Building Your Farm Legacy, you stress the importance of checking in. Can you explain this tool and why assessing tools matter? So checking in at
1: uh, happened in a situation where I was dealing with a very large farm, over 20,000 acres, and it had different levels of management. And these two young men who are actually brothers-in-law never could really have a system for figuring out how to communicate at the end of the day. And I said, well, why don't you just check in, have a habit of checking in with each other at 5 o'clock with the text to say, you know, what was accomplished today, what needs to happen tomorrow, or even better, in my world, I would pick up the phone because right now you and I are having a conversation. I can hear your voice. I can hear the tonality. I can get some sense if you're happy or sad or engaged with me, whereas texting is very one-dimensional. But at the very least, the checking-in idea is, is is just coming to a person from curiosity and saying, how's it going? How are you doing? Is there anything that I can do to make this day better for you? Um, you can also check in in the morning. And with spouses, especially as we age, it's not a bad idea to say, uh, how was your night? Did you have a good sleep? Because if you start the day being depleted and being exhausted and stressed out, you're not going to have a lot of grace and mercy for how you conduct some of your communication throughout the day, and you may be short with people. But that's always a choice, Kara. I feel very strongly that Everybody wakes up every morning and decides whether they're going to be what Marilee Adams would call a learner or a judger. And I'm very much on the learner page. What am I responsible for? What choices am I making? And how am I responding to the people around me? Why
0: are compassionate mentors important?
1: Well, compassionate mentoring is a term that comes from the book called The Father Factor by Dr. Stephen Poulter. And of the five fathering styles, another style would be time bomb, where dad just goes along, and all of a sudden explodes, and you never know when the bomb is going to go off. Or the passive aggressive father or mother who is really nice to your face, but is doing destructive things to you behind your back. Um, compassionate mentors are is a type of parenting and management style where. You make decisions collaboratively, and you always believe the best in the other person because you're doing it with compassion. And so, I would like to see farming men, in particular, really um, have a truth session with themselves about: Is your style of relating to the people that you want to take over this farm is it one of compassion and being a wise elder and a mentor, or is it are you um, a time bomb? or are you passive-aggressive, or are you um, just downright a, dic- a dictator where it's my way or the highway kind of thinking. So I I do a lot of reading, care of different literature of leadership and management and business and whatnot, but I like to translate it into how that would work on a farm. And on our farm, my husband's personal style is ambitious, determined, my son's personal style, and he's thirty. He's a successor. His style would be responsive balance. So my husband tends to be very task oriented. My husband or my son tends to be very people oriented. But they make a wonderful team. But what really is the, the the beautiful part for me is when I see them walking down um, the road or on the gravel yard site together, making decisions together, and then they go peacefully to the next job or the next role that needs to be accomplished. So Dick Whitman does some wonderful consulting out of Idaho and he has this tool called Roles and Responsibilities where one of the questions is, is how, can, how can management support you better? And that's a very good question for us to ask each other as we're training the next generation on our farms is, what, what's your learning plan for this year and how can we in leadership here support you better and then as I age as the farming founder or mom or dad or partner, how can you support me? And, and that would be definitely with respect and regarding my wisdom and experience that I put in 40 crops with. So it's a, it's a, it's a really, um, it's, it's understanding that culture beats strategy, and Peter Drucker said that, is that, you know, show me a good strategy, that's fine, but what's going to be the win-win for our farms is that we pay attention to what we believe, what we value, how we behave towards each other, and how we make decisions. So you just have to remember, what do I believe, how am I behaving, and how am I deciding? And are we doing it in a way that creates an awesome culture on this farm? I hope that it would be a parent, but I also would hope it would be someone in your circle of influence, whether that's your team of advisors or your peer network, our son belongs to a marketing group in the next town over and it's been a, a wonderful peer networking group um, and if you just Google agricultural peer networks, you'll find more research and information about how important it is to have people that you can rub shoulders with you that help you learn and grow. Um, my mentors have been other people in the community with s- similar scenarios to mine, Um I'm from an English culture and married into a Mennonite culture where the dynamics of what people even think about conflict and communication is different. And so it was always important to me as a young farm woman to have an older farm woman who had done the same thing to sort of mentor me and show me what was a reasonable expectation and what was not. So people, and mentors don't necessarily have to be older than you, they can be um, a peer or a colleague or someone who you respect. And now with podcasts like what we're doing right now and audiobooks, my book, Building Your Farm Legacy, is on audible.com. You can have great teaching and mentoring coming in from you from all over the world.
0: Once again, we've been visiting with Elaine Fraze, a farmer and personal coach from Manitoba, Canada. Engage, a series for women in agribusiness, is sponsored by Ag Country Farm Credit Services and Corteva AgriSciences. Check out more Engage podcasts by visiting rrfn.com and listening on iTunes and Google Play. I'm Kara Hart for the Red River Farm Network.